This episode is sponsored by Valen Eyewear. Hello and welcome to Between the Mountains. This episode's guest is Mark Valentine, an incredible man who, after being into adventure and the outdoors as a kid, drifted away from it, fortunately found himself with PTSD uh, due to a quite a horrible event that we, um, we go into in not too much detail. And coming out of the other side is back in the outdoors, seeking adventure, a mountain guide, amazing man. I really, really hope you enjoy this episode. We get into some good conversations about mental health, the outdoors, why he gets outdoors, talking about some of the fantastic tales he's got too. So I really hope you enjoy it all the way from the, the top of mountains to, through to deceiving his own mum, which you'll find out in a, in a bit. But before we get into the main bulk of the episode, let me remind you of the sponsor of this episode, which is Valen Eyewear. If you missed out on the Black Friday deals. They're gonna hook you up as a listener of the podcast with a 15% discount with the most stylish, gorgeous, functional, fantastic eyewear for the outdoors from skiing to glaciers to hiking to surfing, everything. Go and check them out. It's brilliant work for yourself or even a gift for someone else. So if you use that discount and snag something up, do let me know. But otherwise, check them out, link in the show notes and check out the film as well that Mark put together about his adventures and how he got into the outdoors as well worth a watch. It's a nice quick film. All good stuff. But first of all, I really, really hope you enjoy the episode. Let's just dive straight into it. So Mark, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Yourself? Yeah, doing very well. And, uh, and like I said in the, um, the last recording I did, it's always a bit odd having chatted for an hour and five minutes so. <laughs> and then hit record and ask how you're doing. Uh, I hope the answer's the same. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I wanted to kind of kick it off with um, with obviously in the UK for, for the UK listeners and um, and for people who don't know, um, we've just come out of restrictions in the UK, uh, which means that people have been running around. Just wanted to check in with you and see how you've been filling your time because I've been seeing you've been getting qualifications left, right, and centre. Have you been getting out to the mountains? Yeah, well, of course, I mean the, the qualifications have, have helped me uh, immensely, and also um, I became a course director for the mountain leader for mountain trainers mountain leader scheme for a couple of uh, a couple of providers so because it was education then we were allowed to still get out when restrictions allowed uh, and then also I've been working for a, a education intervention company um, and that we basically provide um, it's trying to get young people to engage in some form of education when they're not in the school education system. So that might be for learning difficulties or it might be for some behavioural things. There are some classics on there. Some. <laughs> <laughs> so, so why are you not in school? All ah, right, okay, fair enough. <laughs> and what, we do, what we're trying to do, what we're trying to do, which is, which is good actually because, um, as I mentioned, as mentioned when we were chatting, you know, the, uh, the teaching thing is not always. You don't, I think with teachers, I, I, I found that sometimes I didn't relate to what they were teaching me. It might have been the direction they were teaching or whatever, you know, the way they touch. So if you're we're teaching individuals, they might not be suited academically, but they may be they may excel at something outside. And it's great getting people to engage with the outdoors. So yeah. Um, we were chatting about this a bit before actually. Um, how you and we'll we'll get into this a bit later as well. How you've so obviously you've got that experience you just mentioned, yep. but then working on door, you need to convince many different types of people that 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 your way of thinking is the correct way of thinking and i know yeah. you were saying earlier you, you're able to use that in your own leading 
Yeah, I, I, I believe so. I think that's just, it's just something I've left sort of 19 years of being an ejection technician. That's what we call it. <laughs> so what do you do? I'm an ejection technician. I, I, I eject people from nightclubs and bars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, But what I found with that is if you speak to people individually, and it's all about, I always go on about, bang on about communication when I'm teaching uh, the leadership stuff. Um, if you speak to people individually, you get an individual reply, reply rather than a group, a group view, which may be mixed and skewed. Yeah, so I could, I got into, I got quite good at uh, persuading people that I might, may not longer want in a venue um, that they could leave on their own accord, and it would be better for them to leave on their own, own accord because there would it would it'd be a step forward rather than a step backwards. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So I mean, there were different tricks that we could that I could play and stuff. But basically, you know, if if, if someone had, had to, I thought I'd had too much to drink, and they may argue, then you may get the person that'll argue black's white. But it's you know, in my view, it doesn't matter what their view is. So that's how it's just basically say, well, you're not getting another drink in this venue, and if you leave now, you can get another drink in another venue. But if you leave <laughs> in 10, 15 minutes, I've got a radio here that says that you won't get a drink in this town. So. Yeah. <laughs> just what gentle, gentle persuasion just moving the problem onto someone else really yeah but then you've taken 19 years of experience and then applying that to people in in the outdoors must be so handy yes but it's not it's 19 so it's 19 years of experience of communicating with people mm. i think and so i mean tomorrow i'm teaching a mountain training association workshop on rope work skills fully because they're going towards their mountain leader but right at the start of the, I've got like a set program that I do, but right at the start of it, I've got six people. Them six people may not all fall into the same uh, category of understanding my teaching words, my teaching, my, my normal teaching uh, or uh, instruction. So what I do is I say to them, if you don't understand any one point, because it builds up, you know, we build up from tying an overhand knot to looking for your anchors and stuff like that. Um, if one person doesn't understand that, then I need to speak to them individually on another level, another way. And I think that's one thing that came out of the door work. Um, the other thing with the door work is I'm not the biggest lad in the world and I'm definitely not the hardest lad in the world. So I had to rely on my communication skills rather than wanting to get into any yeah. rolling, ra- rolling around the pavements with anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I definitely don't want to be rolling around the pavements with the mountain clients. So that's yeah, I was going to say the only difference is you're not chucking them off the mountain. You're trying to get them. No, on the no, I, I, <laughs> no. Unfortunately, I've, I've got a duty care there. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, they'll be repeat clients as well. So, yeah, that's that, they're clients of mine, not clients of a bars. You see, so that's good. Today, you're a mountain leader. You've got experience in the outdoors, multiple qualifications. Yeah. But going right back to the start, at what point did adventure? kind of begin for you was did did you do a lot as a kid or was it only in adult life that came along yeah so well, as a kid um as a kid I, I used to look like the six-week holidays that we used to have from school I'd, I'd ask my mum uh for a couple of pounds and we used to be get a thing called the day rover and I used to be able to get on a bus and go anywhere in west yorkshire and my mum would think that we're getting some sweets or something so it'd be like right stay close by and be home when the lights come on that's how it used to be you know <laughs> It sort of tells my age, um, and then but what I used to do was get a bus and I'd go up to I'd end up as far as I could go in Yorkshire and I'd be off over the Huddersfield Moors, the Yorkshire Dales, and stuff like that. And then as long as I got home for home time, for when the lights came on, which in summer it's ten o'clock, it was fine. 
Uh, and then, so I was really loving the outdoors then. And then I got into mountain biking. I started work. Um, so first I was in the building industry, then I was in the print industry and I got into mountain biking. And the adventure side and going out sort of lessened um, just because of the restrictions of having <laughs> being an adult and having to work and pay mortgages and being a parent and things like that. And I did miss it. I did miss it, yeah. Uh, and the adventure side didn't really come back until I had some free time after an incident where I was, uh, where I basically, uh, following, I, I got diagnosed with PTSD and stuff, so I had like 18 months off work. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. So that was a pretty horrific incident in Inst- it Istanbul. Wasn't, it wasn't that, yeah, it wasn't my best uh, uh, intercity break. You know, basically it was an incident where um, it, was a, it was before a football match, um, and I'd been out, we'd been in some bars in Istanbul. And as we left, we left and I was in a taxi going home uh, and a large group um, of people from Turkey attacked this bar. Um, now, for some reason unknown to me, still to this day, I jumped out of the car to help because I'd seen people go, go hit the floor and I didn't know what was happening. And at the time, I didn't know whether they were, whether they were Turkish or British or whatever. Uh, and I did run back, run back to help and another guy ran back with me. Um, and we ran back and at the time I didn't realise at the time but I probably had to fight for my own life a couple of times um, and then uh, in you know uh, violent attacks and then I got to a, I got to a guy who turned out to be Chris who was on our trip uh, and I was giving him trying to give him first aid um, but he, he did die um, he died in the taxi on the way to the hospital unfortunately um, or police car I think it was uh, now that caused me a lot of problems one because of this sort of guilt complex you get with that so, some, somebody like passing away with you being responsible and my GP at the time went through stuff and she trade she, she went back to him and she says listen man um, she uh, she says if he if he just sustained them injuries actually with a, a team round him the best team in the world they wouldn't save his life and it took me a long time to come come to terms with that Um yeah, and then and then basically I ended up going to some. I wasn't sleeping. I was in flashbacks, things like that. Um, and I went to see my doctor, the same doctor, and uh, she got me in with Leeds Mental Health, uh, and I was diagnosed with PTSD. Um, so when I did the counselling, because at that time I don't think mental health was taken seriously. I think we were coming into the uh, Gulf War, and then people going to Afghanistan and that's, I mean, it's a bad thing what's happened with them when all the veterans coming back, but PTSD and mental health problems are more understood and acceptable rather than this man up, you know, get yourself together, which I, which I had, I mean, it was a, it's a sort of, it was a male dominated world. So hanging around going to football matches, it's like, give your head a shake, you know, you're just putting it on. It's like, you know, I wasn't sleeping for far, you know, I, I, I wouldn't sleep because I'd be scared of the flashbacks. Um, and then I did six months of counselling. It started off at five minutes, maybe just talking quickly uh, about what happened. And at the end of it, um, it was an hour and a half session with Alison, the counsellor. Uh, would sit back to back because I couldn't talk, couldn't talk facing because I'd be crying. Um, and at the end of it, um, I turned around and I said, listen, I want to thank you for all this. And she says, when you came in here, she says, we scored you 30 out of 30 for PTSD, 29 out of 30 for depression, and we thought you'd be dead within four weeks. We thought you'd take your own life. She says, some of the stuff you've told me has been some of the worst stuff I've ever heard. Um, so well done for getting through it. But that sort of... Obviously, 
a horrible situation, but it did sort of open my eyes to being a, a bigger world out there rather than uh, a three-bed semi and a, a Ford Escort on the, on the drive, you know. Yeah, it sort of, exactly. Yeah, it, it sort of gave me the uh, direction of looking for experience and natural experience rather than financial reward, really. And it's getting that balance right. So you've, so you've gone from... So you've gone from deceiving your mum and going to the uh, the um, Yorkshire yeah, Moors. Yeah, deceiving. <laughs> deception. <laughs> deception. Like top. I was in. I was in by the time the lights came on. Yeah. Well, well there you go. You, you you did the rules. And what yeah. is close? You know, when you think about how exactly. the you are still. I'm close. still within West Yorkshire, but only because yeah. the bus pass would only let me go there. <laughs> so, you, so you've gone from that to adult life and stepping away from it, not not consciously. Yeah. Um, to that event, what was it that? You know, coming out of PTSD, um, what was it that made you find the Yorkshire Dales again? Right. Well, I've, I've been working on the doors. So I'm working on the doors in Leeds. I got a job working security because I didn't need a CV to work security. At that t- <laughs> at that time, I'd been doing Thai boxing and, and a bit of martial arts and things. And some guys that, I'd, that uh, I knew that I trained with, they ran some doors and they gave me the opportunity to work on them just to, just to work, basically. Um so I couldn't get a normal, I couldn't get a job in anything else because I had mental health on my record or because I'd told them that I'd had a year off um, or 18 months off. Um, so I started working on the doors and it still went from one night to two nights and I ended up at six nights a week, which didn't help me mental health. <laughs> it wasn't helping me. <laughs> we were saying before this, yeah. weren't you, in winter, not seeing sunlight. Oh, yeah, it's so depressing. Um, I mean, people go on now, it's going to be dark when I get home from work. It's like, well, it was dark. For, I didn't see, you know, I wouldn't see that. I'm finished work at six o'clock in the morning, it's dark. And getting getting up at four in the afternoon, it's dark again. And got doing that for six nights a week. Um, uh, but I was getting, I was getting, <laughs> I was getting quite heavy. I was drinking again quite a lot. And I just thought I need some exercise. Uh, I couldn't go back to Thai boxing because I'd, done, I'd had a knee operation and I just started going out and thought I'm going out walking I can do this you know and then what I found was just going out walking by myself getting back into some skills that I'd learned on um, an expedition to Belize and some uh, some other like survival stuff that I'd done with the company um, and I did that and I just found that while I was doing that I was my brain was having a rest my brain wasn't working 100 miles an hour like it does with, if you've if anyone's ever experienced PTSD, you're getting these thoughts in your head all the time. It's like changing your diet, changing your mood. Uh, and I was just I just found myself total calmer, um, calmer, not calmer, as in calmer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I suppose it works. I suppose it works both ways. But I found that you know I'd be getting up, I'd be planning a walk, uh, and I was moving my, moving the fields further away. Uh, where I was going and I'd be planning a walk and I knew I had to get up at four o'clock in the morning to drive somewhere uh, and then do a full day's walk and drive home. So there'd be no alcohol the night before. You know what I mean? And it's, and that basically, one thing led to another, as in I'm saying, basically that that crutch of out drinking, um, drinking to sort of relax, that crutch sort of moved away and the crutch, and I suppose it was a crutch of, um, Working, going into the outdoors, and spending that time alone, and then through through uh, social media and things like that, um, then friends would be saying, "Oh, we t- can kind of come walking with you," uh, and then it was like, "Yeah, well, yeah, well, okay then," and then it's you know going out and showing other people, which you know some of them there, some of my best memories to be there, going out going out with someone else to talk to when I'm lost. Yeah. We'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's a bit of company. I'm usually, usually panicking at this stage. Thanks for coming yeah. and joining me. <laughs> that, that led me on to that. Led, basically, what I did, what I did, a, I did the Yorkshire. I was planning the Yorkshire Three Peaks uh, for charity, and I was going to do it four days. So I did it on a, on a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday with three different, four different groups. Um, for like I say, for charity, and I thought, right, um, I'm going to do a nav course. So I went over to do a navigation course in uh, North Wales with Rob Johnson, who made the film, uh, and then I spoke to him about doing. A first aid course, and he recommended Stephen Helen uh, of Snowdonia First Aid, who I now work for as a course director on their MLs. So it's all stayed pretty in house. Yeah, so it's, it's good how things have sort of turned out. Um, you know, doors just doors opening and taking the opportunities. No pun intended, as well. With <laughs> no, with the, the doors, doors opening. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that was doors closing. Not yeah. tonight. <laughs> And, and do you think that do you think that's what's led you to sort of speak out about mental health more? Because I mean, your your story is 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 almost like a perfect template of of how you can go from struggling to to a, to a better headspace using the outdoors, right? Yes. Now, the thing about speaking about it that happened when I passed my I got my winter mountain leader, which most mountain instructors that have gone through the schemes will tell you that's probably the hardest one to get because you've got to be on the ball and you've got to be every all your kit's got to be right and it's you know it's the conditions being on the Cairngorm plateau at night in a 40 mile an hour crosswind trying to navigate it's pretty uh, character building let's say um, so when I've done the navigate when I've done that I sort of came out with a big uh, big Facebook post basically. Uh, thanking everyone for what we've done. And a lot of people didn't know what I'd actually been through up to that stage because I'd kept it quiet. Uh, but I felt, felt like I'd achieved something. But at the bottom of it, I said, this is not about me. This post's not about me and me getting Winterman leader. It's about you and people you know that are burying mental health because society doesn't accept these problems. You know, uh, like my doctor said to me, she said, if you'd have broke your leg, you'd go to a hospital and get a pot on it. Yeah. And people would be talking about, oh, you broke your leg, been playing football and stuff like this. Uh, but you've broke your mind. Your mind's not meant to see these things that you've seen. And some things, your mind works in a way where it will try and divert thoughts. Or uh, obviously, I don't know. I'm not. I don't. I don't it's just how she explained it to me. She says your mind will try and protect itself. And what's happened is you've seen these things that you don't want to see, um, or you shouldn't see, and. Your mind's basically at fault at the minute. It's broken slightly. Um, and it took me a good seven years to get over that. Um, but, yeah, then it sort of led into all this. Uh, and then the other thing was two guys that I knew, one guy that I'd tie box with, another guy that I sort of knew through drinking in town. They both took their own lives in separate incidents. And my thought at that time was, if I'd have spoke to them about my experience and about me getting into the outdoors and about what it did to me, um, would that made a difference? Would they still be alive now? You know what I mean? And I just thought, well, in, why am I why am I not saying anything when the council have said, you know, you got thirty out of thirty, which we can't, you know, you've done really well. It, it's selfish of me not to talk about it because there will, will be other people that have buried it or just gone out drinking and stuff like that just to try and bury these thoughts uh, when we can. There's another way, and you can find another way through it. There yeah. is, you know, there is a, there is a path. What's it? There is a, a path there if you want to follow it. Yeah, and and that is really, really powerful message as well. Because I, mean, I, I've been to group therapy in the past, and right. uh, that was the first sort of step I took to sorting my head out years ago. Yeah. And um, and I remember sitting there, 
and I thought I thought I was on my own with the thoughts I had. And you know, there's that classic, and I'm sure we've all felt it, whether whether we suffer from it and we just um and it's something that goes to your head, or you don't suffer from mental health and you're just knackered and tired. Yeah, yeah. The phrase is always what's the point? And, yeah, yeah. and I thought it was just me who thought that. And and they asked the class and, and they said, you know, so when when you're feeling low, what you know, what kind of things do you say to yourself? And I didn't want to put my hand up because I was obviously not in the yeah. best way. And someone else put their hand up and went, yeah, what's, you know, what's the point? And then about three yeah. other people went, yeah, I yeah. the same thing. <laughs> and actually just from that simple moment, I was like, oh God, like I'm not alone. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and it's just really powerful talking about it. And it always is better coming from people like yourself who have been through something rather than people who are sort of a bit more neurotypical with it and, and, and sort of say, oh yeah, just talk to me, it's easy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm that thing about, you know, I'm always at the end of phone and then it's sometimes because I've called people and they've just answered the phone and thinking, well, that's a bit out of order. You said you'd always be there. But yeah, I don't think you can get, <laughs> I don't think you can get disappointed about One thing that struck me was part of the crowd of the football people that used to say, man up and all this lot. And, you know, I went through a bad time with it and I think that affected my mental health possibly mm. as much as the actual incident. One of them, um, he did actually come up to me some years later and he witnessed a friend of his dying in an accident and he came up to me and he went, listen, I have to apologise. He says, I never believed anything that you were going through until I witnessed it. And I thought that took a lot for him to do that. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, we get this message about uh, mental health awareness. You know, we have mental health awareness people, uh, and it's, I think you've got to realise your own mental health awareness, be conscious of it and accept it before you can start moving on. You know, I don't. I I know that I can't. People can't relate to my incident because they weren't there. So that's my thoughts, and I can't blame them for not understanding. I've got to. And it took me a long time to accept that. To be fair, Locked, a long time to come up with it, uh, and then once I did, it was like a bit of a light bulb moment. Yeah, yeah. You know? And that's why I'm comfortable talking about it. Really, I mean, obviously, sometimes sometimes it's difficult, um, and sometimes it still upsets me. Sometimes I have my moments. Um, I mean, my girlfriend now, so she sort of accepts that sometimes I need to be by myself for a day or two. Um, and she accepts that. She's really understanding with it, which is brilliant. Which is really brilliant, yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's a bit like, um, you know, it's a very popular model with grief. Uh, and uh, and uh, you know, I promise we'll get back to adventure in a moment, but this is what I was saying. We're like, with, with grief, and, and I was saying before this, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to, to not have experienced some serious loss yet. Yeah um but you know i've got people close to me who have and, and and in an attempt to understand it you know that they always say that you know once that once that grief has happened it's there yep and and over time it will shrink in size yeah but then you get moments like things that may remind you um like events or or the anniversary where it just grows again and it yeah, just yeah. fills fills the space yeah, inside yeah. your head and then it'll go back down and it's the same thing you know like you never truly like properly sort of like switch flicked again and, and now all sorted you still need moments to recharge basically on that point i mean the pressure of society what is all sorted yeah i, I know i know at this moment in my in time i've gone through and i can't say it was seven years of seven years of basically hard drinking to get through the ptsd and then we're sort of getting into the mountains um it's still there the ptsd is there but like i say on the film it's like i manage it and it doesn't manage me now but society would say oh you've had mental health problems but I'm, you know, it's like if you, you know, again, back to the broken leg, you break your leg, you get a callus on that bone and that bone's probably stronger than it was before. And that's the way it is. You know, and I think mentally I'm stronger than I was before and I'm more aware than before. 
Exactly. I think if you're able to say you've had it, then, then you know, and we were talking about employability as well, yeah. weren't we? Uh, you know, yeah. I, I, in, in my own view, if you can say you've had it, then you are of a point where you've confronted it and you're handling it. And in which case, you, it would put you in a stronger position, especially when what if one in three people get it and you are like the first person in a company of 100 to mention it, then you've got a lot of other dark horses inside your company and would you fire them? Uh, and if you wouldn't, then they're, they're perfectly okay to hire you. <laughs> On that, on that note as well, I also, I don't say that I've had mental health problems. I say I have mental health problems. Um, yeah, and I love it. It's always going to, it's always going to be there. Because yeah, again, with a broken leg, you wouldn't go, oh, I'm not hiring him because I'm in 2010, he broke his leg. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not, a, I mean, it's an experience that I've learned from. And it, like I said, it's bad. I've learned from it. And I actually see it as something, I wish the incident hadn't had happened, but it's led to better, it's led to um, more experience, more knowledge, and hopefully I can help other people through that which I wouldn't have had that before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So going to the mountains now, you know, feeling calmer, that's helping your mental yep. health. You're finding that you're, instead of getting home at 4am, like you said in the film, instead of getting home at 4am, you're waking up at 4am, Yeah. Um, which is fantastic. It makes makes a difference from sort of 4pm for yeah. the door. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's nice seeing that. It's nice seeing the sun in the sky. Yeah. What do you think it is about the mountains that draw you back time and time again? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I do. I do have a love for the open spaces. I mean, uh, and I do love going and seeing things. You know, witnessing things. I don't. I enjoy it now when I'm teaching that other people are getting them, getting them feelings that I had at first. Uh, it's like, wow, just look at this. You know, you go to Scotland in winter on a bluebird day, bluebird day, and you are not going to get anywhere better in the world. I don't think it's amazing. You know. And just seeing that and touching that with it and getting into touch with that. But that's obviously that's that sort of helps my uh, mind from before. But I think just on the mental health thing, it's just finding what's what strikes the note for you. So it could be running, could be running, could be swimming. While you know, this this big thing about wild swimming at the minute. I've tried it, it's cold. Does it yeah? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether I'm gonna get into it as much as I am the mountains, but I do enjoy it, you know. Yeah. I, do, I do really enjoy this nature. And then I love the colour green, you know, and get, I'm, because of the teaching, I'm getting more into the, it, well, I have to do, but um, because I'm, I'm teaching environmental stuff and plants and flowers, flora, fauna, and, you know, it's, it's I find it very good for the mind. And, you know, actually, just so, so coming from that, you just mentioned flora and fauna. There's a point in the film where you're you're on door and and you're reading your your nature Snowdonia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was gonna ask, how did you manage balancing basically being awake at night time and prepping for court? What, that it's a big course. It's not a joke. Like ML, yeah. like, it's a decent course. You know, how did you balance like working and still getting that done, other than reading a book when you're when you're waiting? Um, well, I've been I've never been reading the book. On the because I'll be working sometimes, I'm working six, seven nights a week, uh, and it'd be like you know, a Monday, Tuesday night, maybe quieter. So, and I'd just be cramming for my uh, cramming every opportunity, I'm, you know, uh, multitasking. Those guys can't multitask, apparently. No, uh, <laughs> I was reading about reading about torment and things like that on the on the door while you know, looking after everyone's security. <laughs> um, so I mean, the, the options were, uh, or from where I've been. I managed to cram enough time. I've just sat in sat in bars drinking. So time management with stuff like that is if it's a passion, I think you find it easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You make the time, don't you? Yeah, 
I mean, and then taking time out. So sometimes I'd be working Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I'd take. Then when this is when I would do my winter ML, I'd work. Uh, I'd take was Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, and then I'd head up to Scotland on the Sunday. Uh, sleep in the car at the side of the A9. Go to a mountain day. Find somewhere else to sleep on the Monday night. Do another mountain day. Find somewhere else to sleep on the Tuesday night. Car full of wet care. Uh, and then Wednesday, I'd do another mountain day and drive home. And I look back at it now, and it's like, how did you do that? You know, what I mean? but <laughs> I'm not sure whether I better do it now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was better than the the option that I had, which was film a time going out, basically, yeah. or sat mosing just to kill memories, so or bury memories. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So obviously, you know, someone someone with a lot of experience. We've talked a lot about the UK now, but uh, on the description for that film, yeah. Uh, you, you said it was your mates who who did the film, and he said that you've uh, you've vivid in a lightning storm in the Alps. Yep. You've <laughs> drank too much in MJ Bazaar. Yeah, uh, hung out on sea cliffs, climbed water and ice. Um, yeah. Water ice, sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you climb water, fair play to you. You're a salmon. <laughs> but uh, um, not quite that good yet. But I, I wanted to ask, you know, UK high Alps, the coast. You know, what do you think are your your favorite landscapes? And and if it you know if it's mountains, where do you think is the is that you feel most at home in? Oof, that's tough. That's tough, to be honest. Because, I mean, it was, it was, obviously, I, mean, I love Britain, um, but when I'm walking around some of the landscapes, Lake District, Yorkshire Snowdonia, Derbyshire, without getting on my soapbox, they're all massively environmentally damaged um, because of both farming and shooting and things like that. Blood spots. Hashtag blood spots. Um, <laughs> Etc. Um, Scotland, I love. Uh, I love the landscapes of Scotland. Um, around the world, I don't know. I mean, I always say I'd go. I'd love to go back to Patagonia. That oh, was really? Amazing. Yeah, that was amazing. I didn't. I didn't have to climb any mountains in Patagonia. It was just trekking, but it was, you know, it's just a ridiculous landscape. Imagine when I first, you know, when when they started bringing these forty-two inch TVs out. Uh, I changed from a 28-inch TV to a 42-inch TV and I put it, put it on my TV stand and I had to move my chair backwards because I couldn't, my, my eyes hadn't adjusted to it. And when I stepped off the plane uh, in uh, in Argentina and in Patagonia, I was like, wow, this is, my, 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 my eyes and my brain couldn't take in the landscape. Same thing to stepping back. Oh, yeah. Well, <gasps> it was proper, you know, a proper, oh, take a deep breath moment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in the film, you talk about the fact you like mountains because they're not, they don't discriminate. No. Uh, I, did you did you start straight away, just like immediately start tapping into that feeling again? Uh, yeah, I mean, I went off. It's like my, my daughter, my daughter used to always want me to leave. You know, like we, we use people used to say leave root cards, so you don't get you know. So if if there's any any problem, people know where you are. And I'm like, well, I'm, I, I mountain bike and just went off, you know, for a couple of days from Patagonia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not telling you where I are because where I am because I probably don't know myself as long as I can get back home, you know. Uh, and then, yeah, I did what I walked a few close by hills and things like that. And you're like, this is this is immense. It's just immense, you know. Just getting back in that feeling. And for some reason, I do enjoy that. The uh, I do enjoy that nobody knows where I am. Because they're not, in a, and there's only me living that experience at that time. It's weird. There must be a word for it. Greed, greed. I think. Yeah. <laughs> not, greed, not sharing that experience. <laughs> Selfish greed. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's a weird thing to want to strive for in 
in that situation. Yeah, I think it gives, do you know what? I think it gives me a sense of fulfillment in mis- within myself that I can be off doing these things. Whereas I think modern day, we're losing this sense of adventure and what adventure should be. You know, I've seen a lot of things on, on social media lately, just proper having to go at people going up mountains in trainers or going up mountains in jeans and stuff like that. Well, no one, no one says anything about Shackleton setting off, setting off with some woolen jumpers and things, you know, and that's it. And, you know, some steel skins. Yeah. And looking at the stuff, the great adventurers that, that, that you know, they weren't signed up to uh, kit deals with Arctelics, were they? Let's face it. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, they, I think, you know, we've got to balance it. It's good if everyone gets back safe. It's brilliant. Yeah, you know I mean, but we can't kill. We can't kill that sense of adventure. You've got to still find it. If we, if we, if we take, if we look at every, because obviously I have to do risk assessments and things for my courses, and 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 then rolling risk assessments while we're out. Um, if the weather changes, we change the plans and stuff like that. But if we take, if we take all the risk out of a trip, then we take all the adventure out of a trip, and then you're not getting the fulfilment. You know, it's all about experience. If I take people out on walks and take people out on walks or whatever they're doing, I like, and even sort of with the mountain leader stuff, I like them, I like to push their parameters, push them past their previous parameters so they get a new experience because that'll drive, they'll learn from that and then it'll drive them forward to do another new experience. Um, and if we can do that in a, a sensible way, then they're improving without basically the nipper valve getting involved. If the nipper if the nipper valve is uh, shouting, then you know so step back a bit. That's what I'd say. And apart, I'm not going to go into any more about the nipper valve on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you take taking that step. You know, like that's exactly what you've done. Is it's just like step by step, gone into that uncomfortable, got comfortable there, uncomfortable yep. again, comfortable there, and you now run your own outdoor company. I do. Yeah. I, I mean. I don't think you do anything out in Patagonia way, but what no. kind of expeditions and challenges do you offer? Uh, well, at the minute, I'm working. I, I sort of work freelance for other companies as well. So I work for a couple of companies doing the mountain leader training and assessments. Um, and then I work for the education intervention, uh, which has been good during lockdowns and things because it is education. Uh, now, I've just been, I've just found out that I'm, I've, uh, because of the EU situation and Brexit, then the international mountain leader we can't use that in within Europe now. So we're now, you know, we had a we had a we had an award we could use before Christmas, and now we can't use it. So it's yeah, it's a situation that the government have just not bothered with. So it's all your, even your basic instructors, you know, uh, British Association ski instructors. It's every it's everyone that affects everyone, uh, truck drivers and everything. So that's not being looked at, and it needs looking at. But I have I've just uh, so I'm looking at countries that are not in the EU um, and uh, I will be working Andorra next year which is cool because it's not far away yeah so apparently I've just gone through the process of being, getting my um, basically being allowed to work there it's took two years oh wow yeah manana manana but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so pretty relaxed over there apart from I do have to go over and do a uh, yeah. snow safety test and things I'll be take trips there and then looking at other places further afield that's with the international with the international stuff uh, in the UK it's mainly education stuff and then uh, I did do a series of well-being walks this year which went quite well and next year I'm going to do some but I'm doing them with um, 
basically doing them with, I'm doing with uh, some really big uh, drinks companies um, because they're going to back them because of this, you know, all tying in with the mental health. The way I, do, I mean, I think it's good that drinks companies, so this is alcoholic drinks, um, and they are some of the biggest in the world, um, that they're now, you know, drinks shouldn't be, alcohol shouldn't be a crutch. And if they can, you know, a lot of it's to do with hospitality staff who I, who I know a lot, an awful lot of, and it's, you know, they'll work a hard shift and then have a few beers and then go home, sleep, get up, do the same again. So, I mean, I might never find any results of how many people, or if I do, well, uh, you know, if any people do change from something and find that they can find uh, comfort in doing something in the outdoors. But it doesn't matter really, I think, because they do, they, it does happen, you know. In fact, I do know a couple of people that started running and things like that, and you're thinking the only place they were running before was to, to the bar, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they just managed to turn it around. The man, yeah, they're finding something else to take the time. And actually, yeah. that's a really beautiful segue to uh, my second to last question, which yep. is uh, that, that you know, you essentially had a vision and you went out and achieved it. Um, what would you say to someone who's listening who uh, they perhaps have just started or they're they're about to start chasing after their vision and they're just they're sat on it and yeah do you know what i, I, I wouldn't say that i had a vision really. <laughs> uh, i saw when i did yeah yeah when i did that so i did a first aid course so i could so that i was taking people so because people were coming out with me in the hills the mountains uh, and i took a first aid course in case anything was wrong now helen when i worked for said to me why don't you do your mountain leader training she says you've got enough experience now to go do your training and it's six days of learning the skills that you need to become a mountain leader even if you don't become a mountain leader so all oh, right i'll do that just for my own personal skills uh, and i did that in the october of 2011 with no intention of doing the mountain leader and then i took past my mountain leader in april of 2012 and then i found that i'd been you know, I've been doing all this winter stuff that I love, and I've been on a few trips to Norway, uh, and I've been, you know, been to Patagonia and uh, where been, Nepal, Tanzania, Spain, I mean, Spain, places like that, Switzerland. Um, oh, I've got all these days that I could use for my international mountain leader, and I've got these days that I could use for my winter mountain leader. So I joined them courses and then went through them a bit at a time. And next, it's sort of come around now that because I had enough experience, um, and qualifications that can now be a course director for the mountain leader training and um, assessments. And also I'm open to teach the um, mountain training, the mountain skills, which I think so the hill of mountain skills, it's, it's a great way to introduce people to the, to what they need to go out. Because I think there's a lot, I think we get, a, we get a lot of reporting or we get, when we get reporting uh, about the hills and mountains, it's when someone's had an accident, they don't tell you about the thousands and thousands of people that are out every day that have had a really good time. You know, I remember a few years ago, I think there was, was it eight or eight or 10 people killed in avalanches in Scotland in one year. Uh, I think there were four or five in one incident in, the, in Glencoe. And there was all this talk about closing the mountains in winter. Like, yeah, well, statistically, you're more likely to be, to die in a car accident getting there or back, but we're not closing the mountains, are we? You know, um, it's all sort of sensationalism, sensationalist, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, journalism. I think that exists in other in other areas as well. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so, I mean, really, like, you just, if, if you like something, get stuck into it and see what yeah, happens. I, mean, really. I think, I, I don't know whether I've just been lucky uh, that I've touched into something that I really love and enjoy and seems to work for me, but I think you've got to explore that, haven't you? 
you know, like I've just said, I've tried the wild swimming this this uh, this summer a few times with Kirsty, and it's she, she's she she loves it, and I'm like that's a bit cold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all I'm all right once I get my nipples in, and then I'm, but, but I'm out, but then I'm out quickly, you know. Yeah, I don't that's that. when you see these people doing it every day. Yeah, it, it, it is a good feeling, but I don't think I'm going to take it up as a as a uh, occupation. <laughs> Perfect. Well, listen, my, my last question really is something I ask everyone, which is that, you know, with all your time in the mountains, with all the countries you've been to, uh, with the UK, uh, and it might not be the most one, perhaps might just be the one that first comes to mind, but what is one moment that you would love to relive? Oh, that's a, that's a hard one. In fact, no, it's not. No, it's not. I've just thought now. Um, I had one moment in Patagonia where we got off, uh, we were we turned the corner and there were all the uh, uh, glaciers and that floating and I had a proper moment. I would, I would like this is you know crystal blue. Well, the, the blue um, the blueness of the lake um, and then the mountains around you, the glaciers floating around. I had a proper moment. I had a proper lump in the throat moment. And then the other one was when I got a message that a girl called Jess, who I I had actually taught her the mountain leader syllabus. Uh, for training when she she sent me a message saying thank you because she just passed the mountain leader oh yeah and that was like oh god i was I, you know i was proper i really filled up it oh. was it, it was amazing knowing that that my what i'd gone through and what i'd learned on these courses through the mountain training schemes and i'd passed that on to somebody else and they'd become interested in it and now doing it as a career and smashed it yeah smashed yeah. it yeah Oh, amazing. Yeah, that was good. That was good. In fact, I can, I'm just thinking about it now. It was good. Yeah. You know, knowing, knowing, knowing that you're sort of helping and educating people from my background, you know, a background of educate, educating people into the area of their waste or to, to drinking too much in bars and <laughs> to actually doing something and then they're going to pass that on. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, listen, Mark, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank good. you. Good to talk to you, Chris. Cheers.